So a, a few years ago, um, I went island hopping with my younger brother around Cape Verde. And uh, on one particular island, we uh, went for this scramble around the coastal rocks. And on one rock, we found this kind of little nest of uh, fishing wire. And we thought, how hard can it be to do some fishing? And we found this little hook, this kind of bit of metal, which we kind of twisted into a hook. And then an octopus in, in a pool that... Uh, we disembodied, and that's a story for another time. Uh, and, uh, and, and we kind of started casting off over the rocks, and, and it was exciting. And uh, we waited, and uh, we waited, and we waited, and we waited, and we waited, and nothing. Hours passed, and absolutely nothing. The only thing I caught was sunburn which I'm quite prone to, and uh, it, it was a disaster. Now, in our passage in Hebrews, we've just been given a set of encouragements. And if you read it, it looks like a disconnected set of things, kind of good advice about sex, money, about imitating good leaders, being prayerful and worshipful, and above all, being loving, uh, loving one another, being hospitable, and uh, showing hospitality to one another and caring for those in need. Now, the thing is, if we've read the letter, if we've read Hebrews, if we've grasped its core message, if we've grasped what it's all about, then this, doesn't, this isn't simply some disconnected list of good advice. It's much more than that. In fact, it's inseparable from the message of the book. Of Hebrews, it's inseparable from Jesus, which the book is focusing on. You see, according to Hebrews, if the message of Jesus is true, then it demands of us this transformed way of life. But like my fishing attempt on those Cape Verde rocks, we will all too often find if we try to do this transformed life, if we try to live out this list in Hebrews 13 in our own strength, that we'll catch absolutely nothing, that we'll land nothing of any significance, that it will be a total waste of effort almost. And we'll just get hot and bothered and say, oh, this Jesus life's too hard. I can't do it. It's impossible. Now, I don't know after how many hours on those rocks trying to fish in Cape Verde, how many hours, I have no idea, but a local appeared eventually, and uh, he was greatly amused watching us try to kind of throw this little bit of fishing line over the rocks and catch nothing. And after he had laughed at us for long enough, uh, he explained that the bait was absolutely perfect. They love octopus, the fish, but our line was far too short. We were never going to catch anything. And actually, our technique of throwing the bit of wire over the edge was useless as well, and we needed to change. But he said to us, meet me back here the next morning, and I'll bring you some new line, and I'll teach you how to do it, and uh, we'll see if you can catch something. So the next morning, I arrived early in the morning, excited. He brought this kind of fishing reel, and then he kind of showed me how to hook it up properly and cast off properly over into the water. And I felt like a pro. You know, Robson Green, extreme fishing, eat your heart out. That was me right there. And I caught something. It was a ginormous 10-centimeter blue trigger fish, which was too small to eat. But it was a catch. 
You know, it was, it was a catch. And after a lot of help and the right kit, I was able to catch something. And both are true in life as we seek to live this transformed life that comes with knowing Jesus. First of all, we, we need a load of help. We, we've seen, haven't we, over the last few weeks, if you've been joining us and joining us as we look through Hebrews, that it's all about Jesus. It's all about looking at Jesus. It's all about focusing on him. And as we focus on him, this transformed way of life begins to fall into place. As we remember his death and his resurrection and where he has taken us from and where we are now, that transformed pattern of life begins to fall into place. But more than this, much more than this, he says, I'm going to equip you to live this life here and now. Look at verse 20. Now may the God of peace, um, may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with, every good and, uh, with everything good for doing his will, and may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ. It's only through Jesus, through his equipping of us, that same power that brought him from death to life, at work in us, transforming us from the inside out, that we are able to live out this life that comes with knowing Jesus. It's because of who Jesus is and what he has done that we can live a transformed life. And it's only through his equipping, his presence, his power at work in us, we can live it out here and now, today, even in this sad and broken world around us. It's about him. It's about Jesus. With my new friend, uh, friend's help, I managed to catch a little minnow in the shallows. But while I'd been catching something fairly unimpressive, he had put on a wetsuit and dived in with a spear gun and clambered back out with two rock lobsters. We need to be equipped focusing on Jesus and seeking his power at work in our lives. And, and as we do that, and as we seek him, we discover that there's always more. There is always more. The more we press into Jesus, the more we spend time in his word, the more we spend time in his presence, the more we allow his power to take over our lives, to transform our lives. His way of life, this new transformed way of life becomes our way of life. And it becomes more and more possible. The question is, are we content in catching minnows in the shallows? Or do we want to be catching lobster with a spear gun? You see, it's so easy to come to church and be a passenger, isn't it? I mean, Abraham shared generously earlier talking about how he had this encounter with the Holy Spirit, but then he kind of just went to church for a few years and, and, and didn't really do anything about it until he went to university. 
Richard this evening challenged us to pray in tongues before the service, and, and it's a gift that I've had, but I can't remember the last time I've used it. And tonight, as we were worshiping here, I was released into, into uh, praying in tongues. You see, it's so easy to just be a passenger. But the problem with being a passenger is we're only going to catch minnows. You see, to catch the big things, to catch the exciting things, to catch the really tasty things, the lobster, it requires intentionality. It requires us to make time for Jesus in our lives, to pray bold prayers and ask for his equipping of us so that we may do his will, so we may be pleasing to him who deserves all. Now this evening, we're briefly going to look at just one of these encouragements that were given at the beginning of this chapter of Hebrews, and we're going to look at hospitality and how it plays out in our lives. Often when I think of hospitality, I think of uh, having some friends over to dinner, people who I like and people who are like me. But hospitality is much more generous than that. In fact, it's much more life-changing than that. Now, my lobster catching stranger friend had not only helped us and equipped us, but now, to my complete amazement, he invited us back to his family home for lobster breakfast. I didn't speak a word of the language. Thankfully, my brother did. But I didn't speak a word of the language. I'd only met this fisherman for 10 minutes the day before. And there I was, in his house, eating fresh lobster. It's exactly this kind of outrageous, generous, non-self-seeking, reaching out to the stranger hospitality that we are to imitate. And this is exactly what Jesus has done for us. You see, he went outside the city gate so that all could come in. He went outside the city because he knew that it wasn't just for his people, but for the whole world. And he died on a cross, but he rose again, and through his death and resurrection, he has opened the door to his eternal home, and he says, come, come and Be welcomed in. Don't be a stranger anymore. Come and be a friend. Come and join the feast that I am getting ready for you for all eternity. And what Jesus has done for each one of us, he says, go and do for me in the world. The kind of hospitality we are called to live out as followers of Jesus is is Yes, one that reaches out to our friends, but more than that, one that reaches out to the stranger, to the one in need, to the outsider. And we do it because Jesus did it. And we do it in Jesus' strength and in his power so that lives may be transformed. It starts with a meal. It starts with a beautiful gesture, but it leads people to Jesus. You see, true hospitality invites those who are a long way off, those who have disqualified themselves or been disqualified by others. It invites those who don't even know they've been invited yet to come and taste for themselves the feast that Jesus is preparing for us. 
It's been a strange season, and it's difficult to do hospitality in the way that we'd normally do it, right? Because we can't open up our homes and our lives in the ways that we would like to. But there have been some really wonderful examples that I've witnessed here in this church of how we've been doing it beautifully. And just the other week, it was Sam and Joe's birthday, and as they came to kind of uh, host church here, Fiona came with like more cookies than you could uh, ever imagine, and they were really tasty. And then Nicola came with crispy creams. Uh, just the other week, some lovely lady from this church came to our house with a box of food to just bless us and say, here, have some hospitality. We've been giving out, uh, I don't know, something like 40 love boxes over Christmas to those who are on their own to say, look, we love you, receive this hospitality, but also keep going with Jesus. There are so many ways in which we can be inspired in this season to look at hospitality and do hospitality differently. And I wonder how each one of us uh, can be doing that more, to think about the outcast, the lonely, the lost, the least. How can we be sharing God's love with those? And so just right now, I'm going to pause and I'm going to ask God to, say, to speak to us, to inspire us, to equip us, to be his people, to be those who bring his love into this world. So let's just pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you died on a cross to draw all people to yourself, that all people are welcome to come and feast with you in your eternal home. And Lord, we thank you that you don't only, haven't only died for us and risen for us and prepared an eternity for us, but you equip us in the here and now. So come by your spirit, Lord Jesus. Come into our homes right now where we are. Inspire us, Lord Jesus, with your love for the least, the last, the lost, the lonely, those who need to know your love right now. Come, Lord Jesus, equip us. Equip your church. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I'm just going to wait on you just for a couple more moments. Thank you, Lord. More of your spirit, Lord. Right, right where we are, Lord. More of your spirit. And just pour yourself out upon us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Now, when... I, uh, a few years ago, I worked for a, a little charity, and their strapline was, uh, because love is a verb. And that's exactly what the writer of Hebrews wants us to grasp here. That love is an action, and through Jesus, through his death, resurrection, and his equipping, love is an action we can all do. Amen.